the Turf Monsters podcast, episode eight. We're going to review Boise State. Chris Becker joined here with Sadiq Tuma. Dean Rule out again today. He's not feeling not feeling one hundred percent, so he decided to stay home. Um, I'm going to review the twenty one twenty Oklahoma State win over Boise State. Cowboys got done on the Smurf turf, Sadiq. Yeah, they got it done, but it was it was certainly an awkward offense for lack of a better term. Maybe that is the best term. Just one way to say it. Uh, it was not. You know, at the first, the first quarter, maybe second quarter a little bit, or the whole first half, really, you're like, all right, this game's going to be high scoring. 21-20 halftime score. You're like, all right, 40, you know, you, you bet the over of that game, you know, you're, you're, th- you're sitting pretty, you know. I think the over-under was 54, scored 41 in the first half. You're, you're pretty confident that you're going to hit that bet. And then didn't score in the second half, neither team. A um, couple missed field goals. A um, lot of missed opportunities for both teams. And the final score stayed the same, 21-20. OSU, you mentioned the the weird offense. Um, Ran the ball a lot, passed the ball very little. Like, that's that's bare bones, that's what what happened. Um, They ran the ball 57 times, passed the ball 13. Sidney, what did you you think about that heavy run attack that, that OSU fans really aren't used to, but... It it worked. Kind of <laughs> like army in a sense. Yeah, even army is. I mean, they're used to it, but it, it just it's literally depicting of that. Um, it, but obviously, it didn't look like that sort of thing, right? All their looks look the same. The spread looks. The mm-hmm. dropping back out of shotgun. There was no triple option. Blah blah blah. But not yet. Yeah, sure. Right, but no. Fifty-seven to thirteen is obviously a very lopsided number. Mm-hmm. But it was clear, right? When you had all those injuries out there, no Tay Martin, no Jaden Bray, no Langston Anderson, no. Uh, who else are missing? Bryson Green went out early. You you name every receiver on roster, and you're pretty accurate. No, no, Braden Johnson. I mean, you you were missing everyone, anything and everyone, everything, and and it just became. Yeah, you mentioned Jaden Bray, right? right? Yeah. And when you didn't have that, you uh, let's take this in context. Even if those guys are playing, you're still looking at a very young Mm -hmm. receiving core, right? Behind Tay Martin, who's a super senior, you or senior rather, um, you have Brandon Presley again. He's only played one year, and that too. Only played a few games last year. Yep. And you have all these freshmen, all these young guys who have not taken, like, very few snaps over. Shadow Owens didn't play really at all as a true freshman. Um, so you have – that's kind of what you're looking at. And it makes for – it makes it difficult when you're already in that sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Now you take injuries to your couple of your key guys at the top, and you're looking at a very awkward situation where you're kind of wondering, okay, how is this pass game going to flow? And if it's not, if di- drives keep stalling out like it did – Last game, as in against Tulsa mm-hmm. and even Missouri State, to a bit, then you're then you're kind of you put yourself in a bind. So I think Casey Dunn, Mike Gundy came out with this run-heavy approach, which personally I never saw coming. Like I did not sit there and think, oh, well, you know, with these injuries, they'll go super run-heavy. No, that's honestly not my thought at all. What was my thought? I honestly have no thought. I did not know what was going to happen, but the fact that they did this and executed it so well, I mm-hmm. think, is so impressive. Because listen, when you become one-dimensional, you, we always talk about being one-dimensional as a passing team, or you know, just passing too much. Like um, that almost happened, or that happened against Missouri State. But even as a running team, you're just running the ball every play. You can't pass it down, stretch it down, out mm-hmm. at all. And then suddenly, you, you the team stack in the box and challenge you to throw it. But even with that precedent set, you they kept doing a good job. And I think they mixed it up really well. Where they 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 didn't go with the powers where they're pulling guards, tackles who have you know been missed some blocks and you know created <laughs> some negative plays. Instead, they lean heavily on that zone running game with Jalen Warren, obviously who blew up. But even Spencer Sanders, that's where you saw some of those power runs and the QB counters, QB draws, et cetera, et cetera. But they use it on design runs. You know, Spencer obviously piles up a lot of rushing yards. He's an explosive runner. But that's a combination of 
they didn't do as many design runs in 2020. It was a lot of in 2019 when it was a little more Raza passer. But it's a lot of it scrambling where he escapes out of the pocket and he picks up big gains. Here, you didn't see like clearly any of that, really. It, all, of us, all of it came on those design runs. Mm-hmm. And that kind of keeps the defense off their toes. That's where you can really take advantage of Spencer Sanders and his legs. And obviously when they did pass, it was, it was all the short passing game. Just get the ball out quickly. Get it to your talented receivers who can do something. Keep going. And then... And then you you just rush the ball and you rush it really well and you get yourself in better situations, you keep clock on your side. And even in the second half where they obviously weren't put, like, pushing out prodigious drives, but all their uh, three and outs, they were um, all in the first half, I believe. They had, I think after that Jalen Warren 75-yard touchdown, you had three straight plays. Three straight drives, excuse me, mm-hmm. three and outs, yep. two yards, zero yards, zero yards. And they were all, you know, you're punting it back to you know give them pretty good territory and or you get rather opportunity and that was the difficult part but the fact that they were just able to you know sustain a run heavy approach and continue um producing offense obviously was you needed the defense but yeah i think that was pretty interesting to begin with yeah um you mentioned the receiving court casey dunn made a joke after the game he said you know because kale cabinets you know guy who hadn't been mentioned yet uh, you know ever um made it made the game saving catch almost on the third on the third and long if a first down wins the game for OSU, and he made the catch, and Casey said, or Casey was asked after the game, he's like, "Why? Who, why was Kale Cabinets out? Like, why was he out there?" And you know, walk on former walk on redshirt for, or is a walk on redshirt freshman, and Casey just said, "Because if he wasn't out there, I'm the next man up," and that's I mean that's kind of how it feels right now. Right. Um, he also said that you know they normally travel nine receivers, they only traveled seven. Um, out of you know they just don't have anyone else to travel. Hey, everyone else is hurt. Right. Um, and you think you know you have to go through these seven, you have. Bryson Green, freshman. Blaine Green, freshman. Um, Brennan Presley, sophomore. John Paul Richardson, freshman. Kale Cabanis, redshirt freshman. And who who is someone missing? Brennan Presley. I already said Brennan. Oh, Rashad Owens, Rashad Owens yep. uh, sophomore. And then I don't know who the seventh. I don't know who the seventh person was. Right. Um, but you have all these guys. Like, they're all young and inexperienced, and there's not many of them. Um, and then going forward, you know, you talked about how OSU started the game really slow. You know, Boise State was up twenty to seven, um, and the only the only good play that OSU had, they didn't have a first down outside of the touchdown run from Jalen Warren that was seventy five yards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at one point, you know, I was live tweeting the game. You know, I was covering it from home, and um, at one point, I just put like when Jalen Warren scored that second touchdown, I just put Boise State. Tw- uh, I think it was t- yeah, Boise State twenty, Jalen Warren fourteen, because like, <laughs> that's what it felt like. It was just Jalen Warren versus Boise State. The right. OSU offense really was not doing anything else. And up to the point of the eight, the six twenty-six mark of the second quarter, Boise State had out, out like had forty-eight plays. OSU had let's see nine, twelve, thirteen plays. So to even think that the game, now looking at the, you go to the total plays at the end of the game, it's tied seventy seventy. Right. So to even think that was possible at that point was wild because at that point it just kind of seemed like OSU was just dragging its heels. They had one big run. And then three straights, three and outs. And then they finally started catching the break. You know, they stopped Boise, scored. Boise got the ball back, fumbled. OSU scored again, took the lead into halftime, and then the score never changed. But even even in the second half, when they weren't scoring, OSU was at least developing these drives. They kind of lasted a long time, right. mostly because they were running the ball every two seconds. And, right. um, they were dragging the time out of the clock. And OSU controlled the ball 21 minutes of the second half, which means Boise State only had it nine which I think is the biggest factor in this game uh, for OSU to win. 
because no one was scoring, so whoever had the ball the most, you know, had the advantage. And OSU had the ball, and it, all, in large part, to thank to Jalen Warren who. Yeah, there, there's went no, off. there's no, you know, sugarcoating it. Obviously, OSU could tell was not was struggling in offense, but they were weren't really trying to score almost. I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say that because obviously they're always trying to score, but they weren't as worried about let's let's stretch the field, let's put points up, as let's control the ball, let's control time of possession. I don't remember the exact number, but I think. In the second half, they yeah I think I now remember it's about twenty one minutes yeah. to nine minutes yeah. time of possession right yeah it's absolutely ridiculous and a lot of I mean you saw one of these drives I think the first drive opening in third quarter OSU had fourteen plays forty one yards and they punted the ball away but you killed almost eight minutes seven forty seven mm-hmm. off the clock like those are game killing drives that keep the other offense off the field and here's the thing this game reminds me a lot of. Um, the matchup with Kansas State last year, not because of you know the way they played it, but it was a flip. I remember that that game. Remember OSU's O line was struggling. Spencer just kept getting hit. They couldn't move anything on offense. The defense was struggling uncharacteristically. And the second half, something just flips. Right, mm-hmm. the defense starts playing better. They start locking down. The off O line starts uh, protecting well enough to get some things moving, and they go and steal a win. And here it was very similar. The first half, you had that Jalen Warren long touchdown. And, and, you know, that wasn't a fluke touchdown either. There, there was very good blocking. Guys at the second level, they created holes, and Jalen Warren went untouched. That was a very, that was, you know, peak uh, OSU offense looking. Mm. But after that, the next three plays, you know, three three and outs, three and out, three and out. You've totaled two yards in three, in three drives. Yeah. That's not going to get you anywhere. And the one yeah. after that, that's when they start put, put, putting that pieces together. That 10 75-yard drive. Right. And th- that's, that's where things start to switch a little bit. But it was, it, Jalen Warren had a huge game obviously you had 32 carries you know they always talk about with Gundy and Dunn of okay hot hand approach whenever a guy starts going and with the guy like Jalen Warren you've seen consistent games not just mm-hmm. the production on statue the first two games but you see the way he's running the way he catches the ball the way just all his skill and movement and how he fits in the system I think it works really well they use him really well as his own runner like I said and I think that opens up you know Spencer Sanders game either also because obviously you have those design runs you have the element of Jalen Warren going one way. So you'll see a counter where you see the O-line going that way because you're running so many zone runs to the right or to the left, and all of a sudden the defense shifts that way and Spencer just tucks it and goes. And, you know, you're keeping things off balance. You're keeping the defense off balance. And, again, this is not the best Boise State defense in the world, but there's still a defense, right? Yeah. There's still a D1 defense. and They can force turnovers. Really. Right, yeah, exactly. They, and they've made a living off that. This right. Game. They give up a lot of points, but they force a lot of turnovers. And and they only what, gave up one, two turnovers here? Yeah, Oshu, uh, only one. Oshu just fumbled right. once. Yeah, exactly. And, that's and almost, it was the very end of the game. It almost cost right, the game, but right. it was the very end. Exactly. And that, that was kind of it. But I think that approach sort of, I mean, it, it's like I said, even before the receivers went out, you were already looking at these young guys and they're struggling behind you know the Tamar and even the Brett and Presley. But now you just put them in the peak position. And I think it was smart. Obviously, just because it's smart to go run heavy doesn't mean it always works, right? You have to execute well, you have to write the per- have the right personnel, the right schemes, the right game plan. And with Casey Dunn, this is this is one of those things you point to. Obviously Mike Gundy has a huge hand in the offensive game plan, but when you have an offensive coordinator, this is what they do. Mm-hmm. Head coaches deal with a lot of things. And this is one of those games where you point at for OSU fans who think, obviously ridiculously think Casey Dunn should be fired, this is one of those things you point at. This is what offensive coordinators do. Sure, it's Gundy's offense, but offensive coordinators game plan heavy. And this is one of those things they looked at. They put in the right scheme. They worked well. And obviously, you're pushing the ball forward. And like you said, in the second half, you weren't putting up points. You weren't putting up prodigious amounts of yards. But the time possession battle was won. You were sustaining at least a few minutes on these drives. And then your defense was playing a lot better. I think what they held them to 81 yards in the second mm-hmm. half, zero points, and then three sacks in the second half. It was it was a much better performance. And that's why, as a team together, they won this game. Yeah. It, going back to the time of possession stuff, um, 
I'm going to read you out these first five possessions for each of these teams. And looking at it now, it just, it's a wonder how OSU pulled this out. Right. Because oh, it's two different games for uh, sure. Boise State, on their first five possessions, had two touchdowns and a field goal and only two punts. OSU had four punts and a touchdown in their first five possessions. Mm-hmm. their first five possessions, and then OSU had two straight touch- possessions with touchdowns, and then Boise State had a field goal after that, and that was it. Um, but I think the biggest thing is the number. You mentioned the OSU seven-minute drive, which is huge and really hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, but they executed really well, even though they punted. They they executed their long drive and they took a ton of time off the clock. Um, Boise State only had one or two drives over four minutes. And one of them was uh, in the second half. It was 423. And then OSU did not have a drive under. And most of them were only like one. In the second half, they only had one drive that was over two minutes. OSU only had one drive under two minutes. And it, it, it was a fumble. They'll fumble from Jalen Warren. Right. So, And it was almost. It was a minute and a half. So OSU controlled that ball. And they did a really good job of it. And I think, like you said, it's it, a tip to the cap of Casey Dunn, who realized that the, the run game was what was working this week, yeah. which is shocking because the first two weeks, uh, it didn't work at all. And um, we mentioned, I, I mentioned in the podcast before the game that I think the team who runs the ball better wins the game. Sure. And I think that's a lot what a lot of people said. Mm-hmm. And OSU just flat out just dominated in the run game. Um, 246 to 61. They which did it efficiently too, right? Yeah, it 4. was very 3. yeah four point three yards to carry, which is good because Coach Gundy said that he wants to the team to reach four and a half, which mm-hmm. still is under this. But I, there's nothing to complain about this. Two hundred fifty right. yard yeah. rushing on sixty. When, t- when you're running it this much, when you're running it this much, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna live with it. You don't care. Yeah, and Spencer even even then Spencer completed just under fifty percent of his passes. So, mm-hmm. and they were pretty long passes. You know, uh, two carry two catches for thirty four for Rashad Owens, one for twenty four for. Kale Cabin is one for twenty-two for uh, Brennan Presley. So every receiver who caught a ball caught a ball over twenty yards. You look at this; there's only three wide receivers that caught a ball. I think that mm-hmm. in itself is telling. The other two: Dominic Richardson, LD Brown. This game plan was to get the ball out of his hands quickly, not mm-hmm. bootleg and you know stretch it out and look down yeah. the field, not RPO, not whatever. It's just drop back, three-step drop, get the ball out of your hands. That's what you saw a lot of, and you just mix that in just enough to keep these offense from thinking you're running it every single play, mm-hmm. and it worked, right? I mean. Again, not pretty, not great, but when, when you when you have these, in, and this is not what you're relying on for the rest of uh, eternity or even season, right. but when you have those sort of injuries and that's what you're looking at, it's it's a it's a difficult proposition. But they they pulled it out. And props to them. I think I'm impressed with that fact. Right, and you know, going in, the O line had not looked good. Mm-hmm. Uh, week one, they pass blocked really really well, run blocked horribly. Week two, run blocked a little better, but still not good, and pass blocked atrociously. <laughs> And then they come into this week, and you get Hunter Woodard back on the right guard spot. Mm-hmm. Cole Birmingham gets his second start at left tackle. You're finally kind of with a healthy O-line, you know, with what the O-line was supposed to look like. You know, besides the fact that it's Cole Birmingham at left tackle, not Maturko or ETN. But you're finally a somewhat healthy O-line. And then they played really well. You know, mm-hmm. only gave up two sacks. So they pass blocked. Although, they, you know, Spencer Sanders only dropped back sure. to throw a pass 13 times. But, mm-hmm. you know... They only gave up two sacks and run blocked extraordinary well. Coach Gunny talked about it this morning in his uh, luncheon that he was like a lot of these plays weren't the running back, you know, making things happen. Right. It was it was exactly how it was drawn up. The it was blocked the runs were blocked really well, elite, you know, oh, huge holes. 
I go back to that first one, uh, the 75 yard from Jalen Warren. That he had a gaping hole on yep. that side of the ball, and he wasn't touched. You know how hard it is to go 75 yards and not get touched, but not even, like just like, like just like not even like a tap. Like he mm-hmm. was not touched. Yep. So like, and that you know the O line played so well, and I think if they can do this again and kind of like build off the use this as a building block. I think it's only up from here. Yeah, no, no doubt. I think when you when you take that sort of approach like they did run heavy, you have to have trust in your own line because that's the saving grace, right? That's where everything starts. You're right. That 75 yard, it was just Jalen Warren's speed and um, acceleration and burst, just getting through and not being touched. I mean, you're right. A lot of it was that, but it, there was good vision from Warren as well. But um, yeah, no, it starts with the O line. I think having Hunter Woodard back was um, kind of underrated. That's important. The other guys have been, you know stepped up a little bit. Like Preston Wilson had some starts last year. But I think Hunter Woodard is is really a quality player. He blocked really well. This O line overall. I mean, you see Josh Sills get to second level so much, and that's not just a sign of hey, this guy's athletic and can get there. It's and he's huge when he gets there. I mean, he's huge in general. But it's also a sign of you're you're getting your first block down pretty well, mm-hmm. the double team, and then you can have you know still get there in second level, and that's what opens up a Jalen Warren type run. But it wasn't just the O line; it was the Cowboy backs. We talked about. Um, Braden Cassidy before we've talked about Austin Gerrard who I think has struggled with blocking to this point in this game he was a lot better Braden Cassidy made some impressive blocks on the trap blocks and the wind blocks I mean he was he was a big part of this run game and with how much zone running seemed a lot of times you see the inside zone split where you have that tight end come or the cowboy back come across the formation and hit one of the guys and they always did that and he did a great job I think and you couple that with just how well the O-line, I think Cole Birmingham's found a good spot there at the left tackle. He looked a lot better than he did in, this, uh, in the second game of the season. And overall, this O-line really just started up the whole you know, point of attack, right? Football is one of the trenches. And when you have a strong O-line who's gaping, who's paving the way for these big holes and also just giving space for you know a talented running back like a Jalen Warren, like a Dominic Richardson. Obviously, many of these guys don't touch the ball much outside of Warren and Sanders. Uh, but it's it's that's where things start. And because of that, this is why you were able to sustain it. That's why it worked. You, you Even when you become one-dimensional to a bit and you are run-heavy, teams know it, when you have that sort of O-line that can push guys around and you have quality running backs who have the vision and the talent and the skill to get around and make a play and keep pushing things forward, that's when you find success. Right, and I think, I don't know about you, but we both watched, I mean, I know this about you, we both watch this team very closely and analyze it really hard, and we're we're probably harder on this team than most than a lot of people, even fans. Like fans are obviously harder on this team because OSU fans are just kind of really wild in their thoughts sometimes. But, you know, Looking on this, when Josh Sills missed that play and he went down with that injury, I kind of took a breath, like kind of lost my breath. I was like, oh, oh lord! Like this O line mm-hmm. finally looks good. And I, that's the one part of this offense that kind of hadn't clicked yet, and the O line is very important. Like we learned that last year mm-hmm. with this OSU team, how important this O line is, and to the scheme of the the offense. And when Josh Sills went down, he's probably he's he's the leader of that O line. And when he went down, I was I was like, oh no, this can't this will not end well for OSU. Mm-hmm. And then he came back to play later, so he it, he appears to be fine, but. Even then, like I kind of like I kind of gasped. Right. Like, oh, it was no. like last year. Whenever you saw someone go mm-hmm. down, it just felt like, oh my god, how many more can go yeah, down? Right. Like, at this point, the o, the O line has been relatively healthy compared to other position groups. Mm-hmm. You know, you Mitch Hunter Warder hasn't played, but mm-hmm. he's really the only one. You know, besides you know the guys who were already out. You know, right. but this group is healthy, and finally Hunter Warder comes back, so it's fully healthy. The starting on line was the line it was supposed to be. And then he falls, and you kind of think back to last year, where I don't know, could this be you know the first of the the first one to tumble, and then it kind of goes down from here. But 
it wasn't. He came back, and luckily he came back and was able to finish the game. But, you know, looking at this defense, we kind of – we've already touched on injuries. So looking at this defense, they played really well. Mm-hmm. Um, excluding, like, you know, Boise State right, – First half they struggled for sure. Yeah, Second first half, yeah, first, first half they struggled. But they finally got their footing. Boise State's really good – a really good opening team, always have been. Um but they finally got their footing in the second half and just completely shut down that Boise State offense. Um, lot like got they poor poor Hank Bachemeyer he got he got roughed up. Um, but what Steve? What did you take away from this defense that has uh, seven quarterback hurries and I think he was knocked down like sixteen times. Mm-hmm. What, what what did you take away from this defensive performance? Yeah, I thought um, obviously the two, three sacks in the second half. They got a sack early. You had guys who were just great pass rushers. And even without a Trace Sterling, right? Even without um, Trace Ford, right? You had Brock Martin making plays. We always knew that. With the depth that this team had and the skill that they have, they were going to be fine. But at the same time, they did struggle early on. I thought some of it, just, I I don't know what it was that came to struggling, but they did. They played a little more off and a little less aggressive as they have done couple of games overall but second half they really locked it down they made plays up front they were you know cohesive as a unit and they really shut down this Boise State attack in the first half you know they were they were letting plays go and you know big drives were coming about and that's why this this game looked lost because you saw a, you know, a struggling offense with OSU that run game whatever you're trying wasn't working too well and then on defense you were giving up points which was again the saving grace of this team throughout two games throughout a lot of last season but then you see the defense step up and make plays when you know when they're needed most when the offense finally starts turning puts up 21 points and then that that couple together was just an important aspect yeah um i look i'm looking at the statue right here khalil shakir we talked about him and how important you know shutting him down would be he had eight catches for 78 yards but watching that game it really didn't feel like he had a great game you know Mm oshu did pretty well shutting him down you know his long was 21 yards he averaged 9.8 yards a catch but even then the catches were spread out throughout the game, mm-hmm. so he really didn't ever take over. And oh, she did really good at not allowing that to happen. Um, besides that one touchdown, there was really no blown coverages, um, anything like that. You know, Cutter, props to him, good catch, good play there. Got got behind the defense. Thomas Harper kind of struggled that first half, and they took advantage of it in that touchdown pass. But you know, fun fact: Cutter's dad um, once accepted the job at OSU, and then never, and then backed out after that. Um, but. <laughs> but yeah, um, the Oshu's defense was really good. Uh, that second half, first half, like, like we said, this whole time they struggled. They kind of they survived. They survived the first half, and that's all they, they could sur- do. Yep. But uh, Coach Gunny talked about it this morning when I asked him about you know QB pre- getting QB pressure because they did really good at that. They mm-hmm. knocked him down every, tons of times. I think almost every time he got dropped back, every time he dropped back, he almost got hit. So they cut pressure on the, got pressure on him, which is really important to do. Uh, to shut down an offense whose passing attack really killed you the first half. Um, but Boise State's really good, and Coach Gunny said this, they're really good at those first 20 plays, those those scripted plays, if you will, that you come out of the gate with that you're going to run no matter what happens to kind of get the footing down. Mm-hmm. And that's what you saw here. They ran those first 20 plays, and they, they crushed them. They did really well, and they came out of the gate hot. But then they kind of slowed down when you got past those 20 plays. You kind of got in the groove of the game, and OSU's defense finally got their footing. And once they got their footing, it was... It was smooth sailing from there, but uh, Boise State did did have good success on third down. Something uh, a lot of teams don't have on against OSU. Um, seven of sixteen, um, but like I, like we said, most of those came in the first half. Though um, I think on the first drive, maybe 
Mm-hmm. Maybe first two drives, Boise State converted like six third downs or something. And yeah, they're definitely a lot better than those. They was, overall, it was a struggle in the first half. Yeah, and their, and their then, downs were even more accurate. Yeah, and then and then once OSU got their footing, their third down defense was as good as it normally is. Um, mm-hmm. Boise State's defense played pretty well, though, all considering you know pass wise they, they didn't have any dropbacks. But even then, OSU's offense was able to take advantage of it. And I think the key was Coach Gunny said after the game, you were able to run the ball when everyone in the state of Idaho and right. in Oklahoma knew you were running the ball. And that's what I was talking about earlier, right? When you become one-dimensional, not just as a passing team, but as a rushing team, you can just stack the box. And again, that doesn't, you know, sight on scene provide success, but it makes it a lot easier for the opposing team. And the fact that OSU was in those situations and everyone knew that they were about to run it and you can still run down your throat, that's that's a menacing offense. I mean, that's just, that's a sign of successful rushing attack. All right. Anything Anything else for you? No, right. no, I mean, I just thought that it was, um, it was, it's it's kind of, I guess, not resiliency per se, but it shows a lot that you're able to get into this sort of mood where you're getting into a, um, you're, you're a complete alternative the game plan to what you usually do and just go run heavy mm-hmm. to, to, a, to a ridiculous degree and something no one's expecting, but still, it's hard, and do it successfully. Because when people know you're just what you're going to do and you still do it, that's just impressive to me. Yeah, uh, who's your MVP of the game? Jalen Warren, right? Easily. I mean, like I said, we knew coming into this game, he's got vision, contact balance, speed, um, and he, he, like I said, it's not the power, but it's just the. I mean, he's got a little power, right? For a shorter mm-hmm. guy, smaller guy, he's he can do. He can just he just stays on balance. He breaks through arm tackles, but he's a fast guy. Obviously, he's got great straight line speed, and here he he obviously aided a lot by his offensive line. But yep. it's always a combination of that running back and offensive line and. Regardless of who who it was, O-line, running back, whoever gives credit to whoever, the fact that he did that and he put them in a position to win the game, that's why he's my MVP. Right. Um, since you want Jalen Ward, I'm going to go Brock Martin on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, four tackles, two and a half sacks, should be three. Um, got the one taken away for the, the roughing the passer call. That yep. We won't go into that, but it's not it's not a penalty. But um, but two and a half sacks and a Q, and plus one QB hurry. Um played really well. Um really feeling in that role that Trace Ford leaves uh, with his injury. But uh something that you know, Brockmorton hadn't had the best first two games. You know, he's been around and he's kinda he's made some plays, but this one he really really kinda took hold of that defense and really anchored him and was a big part of the uh or sorry, two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. But really Really big part of that defensive success, especially in the second half. And it's misleading a lot of times with defensive players because they'll be getting pressures or they'll be getting just double teams and you know opening up other things. And stats are hard to keep by with mm-hmm. um, defenders, and it gets harder and harder, especially when you talk about cornerbacks. But yeah, a lot of times it's misleading. But he's an important part of this defense. Yeah. Well, that's all for us today. Uh, episode eight, Turf Monster Podcast. Chris Becker, Sadiq Tuma. We'll be back on Wednesday with your Kansas State preview. Yeah.